evening, everyone, and welcome to the 50th episode of Raising Bulls. Ah, we did it! Yay! We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we have a huge show. Absolutely huge. We've got uh, a recap of the Ottawa Fury game this past weekend. Uh, Sajir Hot, uh, former Red Bull homegrown player and current FC Motown coach. Uh, will be joining us along with Matt Pickens, the goalkeeper for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and head coach John Wolinek. And there's still more. We're going to preview the game against Tampa Bay uh, this coming weekend. Uh, we're going to highlight another player uh, like we did last weekend. We've got emails to answer, Anthony. Emails. I was going to pit you and Bill against each other, but Bill is not here. Uh, and yeah, that that's going <laughs> to <that's gonna> be <laughs> the show tonight. Joining me, as always, the guy that I've mentioned uh, more than once and uh, have called him a troll and many other things o- over the years. You've uh, been quite insulting to me over 50 episodes. <laughs> That's true. And I am I am, I'm done with your abuse, Joe. Look, it's not that I don't like you. It's that I don't respect you. <laughs> uh, NYC... Uh, soccer world zone anthony merced hello anthony how are you i am doing great i'm so happy that the show has reached 50 episodes for all the 50 people that listen to us <laughs> we love each and every one of you we do we deeply love each and every one of you uh i was worried when we started this show that we would not have uh two listeners uh so <laughs> and we had three hosts so that would have been a big problem uh <laughs> but it's been doing <laughs> Uh, pretty good in terms of, of you guys coming in and listening each week. So thank you so much. All right. We got a lot to cover. Let's get started. Ottawa. 2-2. Another goal at the very end of the game uh, to level it up for Ottawa. That makes all three contests this year against the Fury. Uh, points dropped from uh, winning positions. Uh, Two draws in a row where they they had the lead and gave up goals at the end. And uh, a game in Montclair where they were winning and gave up two goals uh, to lose. Obviously, this is a much better showing from the team uh, than either of those other two games. Uh, Andrew Tenari probably had his best game uh, for the Red Bulls to to date. Uh, Florian Velo is back uh, on the score sheet. Um, Bonomo, not, not a great game for him. Uh, but not terrible. Uh, and, of course, uh, you got some poor marking on set pieces, dooming the team in general. Anthony, end of the season, things are so critical now. As a fan of the team, how do you look at this result with some positives? Oh, with some positives? Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's give it a positive I mean, spin. They are, they're on a four-game unbeaten streak. There you go. I mean, that that's kind of the best, is that they're, 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 they've kind of gotten it together. The problem is they're kind of not getting the max amount of points that they should be getting at this point in the season. Um, you know, we talked about this before, about how this late stretch of the season, there was going to be a fine margin um, for them to be able to make the playoffs. Uh, and now they're at the point where they, they need points. Um, and they, they had it in this game. They, they didn't play well early. Uh, but they rebounded and they were able to get possession. Um, they made some kind of like uh, the, the the mistakes they made defensively were very frustrating 
because they were definitely mental lapses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially that first goal, the Steven Dos Santos goal was probably the one that was most egregious in my mind. It was kind of like, come on, like you that that's their guy. Yeah. You know, that that's the one guy you got to make sure no matter what he doesn't get a good look at the ball and he ended up, you know, running past his defender. So it, it was a bit frustrating at times. Um, but that's kind of, it's been the story of this team all year. Yeah. On that, on both goals, you've got uh, guys not being well marked as crosses were coming into the box. Obviously the first one was just a header across the box. Uh, but the way the defense was stacked, uh, it allowed Steven Dos Santos, uh, to have, a free header at the back post and the game winner. It's really, really frustrating. If you watch how that play developed, um, Stefano, uh, has his man, right. And he kind of just allows him to walk in. Abador uh, takes notice of that and follows him in and leaves uh, the man that he was on free and open in the box. And that's how, that's who ends up getting the, the first header, that is then put away for the, for the winner. Uh, and it's one of those things where I, I should not expect, even though he's played center back before, I should not expect Stefano Bonomo to uh, be responsible uh, at that level of, or I should not expect him to have that level of responsibility in the box at the end of the game. Uh, but it's still his responsibility. I'm sure that, uh, he was probably on some tired legs, and it was one of those things where you don't really put a ton of thought into that moment. It doesn't look like he's going to be a dangerous player uh, because of the way the cross was coming in. But still, you have to do your your part of the job, uh, or you let the whole team down, and that's what we saw in that moment. Yeah, this team has dropped a tremendous amount of points, and you know we'll. You know, we'll hear from uh, John Walnick later on. And, you know, obviously we've heard from him all season long. And, and he'll say things like, yes, it is about player development. But, you know, it's got to it's got to stick in him when, you know, that that win is right there and you drop it at the last moment. Uh, mental lapses or tired legs. And it just it becomes very frustrating in the season. New York Red Bull, too, has been a been a. Um, well, they have, they have not been the team that they were in 2015 or 2016, definitely. But they've still been a very competitive team. And for them to drop as many points as they have uh, late in games, it, it becomes a bit infuriating as a fan. Um, so it is – it's what it is. Yeah. Um, but, they, you know, from, from this point on, it, it's going to be a big struggle to get into the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I might add that if they don't get into playoffs, I have to eat a tub of popcorn. So I'm really – Really not wanting that. <laughs> uh, I don't want them to get in, but at the very least, I'll get that out of you. Uh, uh, yes. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, Florian Velo. He's had sort of a snake bit season. Uh, he scored early uh, in Pittsburgh and then went through a very, very uh, dry spell. Uh, he's been on the end of a lot of, of, of plays and just not been able to put the ball into the net, uh, had some issues, uh, maybe taking an extra touch. We discussed a little bit of that last week. Uh, but there seemed to be this really nice release from him finally putting the ball into the net. And I think, um, you know, some of that is maybe you know, karmic in terms of the work that he's put in and just been frustrated time and again, and hopefully uh, scoring that goal helps him turn a corner. 
Well, I think he also hasn't had the freedom that he had in 2016 um, to take shots. I think guys like Zico Lewis have come in and he's had to kind of share share the ball a bit more uh, and, and really learn how to be a bit more effective with fewer touches. So it, it has been a big learning experience for him. I don't, He's one of those guys that I'm not necessarily as hard on because I, I, I think that he's been growing despite the fact that the statistics have not been in his favor. Mm-hmm. But you, you kind of saw it a bit in the game against Ottawa where he was able to put himself in the right position at the right time. And I hope that may, maybe he's kind of finding uh, a bit more of that space perhaps to be maybe a bit more of a striker next year. This team, I think, can use a second option up front. Yeah, and he did start the season that way, and he's been surprisingly effective uh, with his head uh, over the last uh, two seasons. So, yeah, maybe that is a good place for him. Uh, and then the, the guy I mentioned at the top of this, Andrew Tenari, uh, fantastic game from him, has a goal and an assist. Uh, I believe those are first uh, for each category. He might have had an assist already, uh, but... It, that especially felt like validation for all the hard work that he had been putting in. Uh, each week, I feel like we've been talking, or at least I've been talking, about uh, how impressive I think he's been, um, how hard he works, and just you know forces things in the midfield. And we saw a little bit last week of him starting to put together the attacking side of his game. Uh, and If Gennari is not on this team next year... I'm going to talk about him the same way you make fun of me about Manolo Sanchez. <laughs> that would be good. Oh, it was his second assist. Okay, it was not his first. Uh, but I believe that is his first goal. And I can't get confirmation of that yet. Curses you. Curses. Uh, but, Hashtag Team Manolo. <laughs> uh, but he's been, I think, fantastic uh, pretty much since early summer. Uh, and you know, finally, since they started playing him, well, well no, because he he did start the year playing on the wing and playing wing back, uh, but neither of those positions really suited him. Even though when we discussed uh, where he felt most comfortable on the field, he talked about playing as a wide midfielder. Um, but he's he's really blossomed. It what word did I just say? He's really blossomed in the middle of the field, and I think that blossomed, blossomed. I think that. Uh, if he continues to develop there, he could be someone who could absolutely break into the first team at some point, especially when you consider guys like uh, Tyler Adams, not necessarily uh, being a lock to stay with this team for many years, uh, because I think a lot of people are very high on him and his ability. And, you know, you have, you do have guys like Dan Metzger, uh, but Tanari has a, a very different skill set, and he's just a pest and if he could sort of, you know, study under uh, another pest uh, who's on the first team, Felipe, uh, that could be a great thing for him. I agree. Um, but, you know, well, I, I would say, but, you know, he needs that training time. But he mm-hmm. is getting that training time because we do know that these two teams uh, tend to integrate a lot. Uh, he, he has developed quite a bit since seeing more playing time. And so as much as I make fun of you for being on that bandwagon, I, I do have to admit that he... He's shown a lot more in the second half of the season, having been shifted to a bit of a different position. Is it fair to say uh, Anthony Jamer said approves? I mean, I never disapproved <laughs> of Tanari. I know, I know. I was just referencing that. I was that's critical. 
<laughs> I don't know what that voice was. Okay. Uh, that was my critical voice. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, Evan Loro. I think that he had an okay uh, game. I don't think that, you know, it, I think it would be easy to look at the, the final goal as something that uh, was somewhat on his shoulders. Uh, because he wasn't able to hold on to the initial shot. But that was, I mean, I think he did really well even to get to that. It was kind of, you know, it was a situation where maybe he should have tried to push it wide. Uh, but he, the fact that he was able to make the first stop on a, a header from Point Blank Rage that was bouncing down, uh, I think, speaks volumes to the good things that Loro can bring to the table. And it's it's just a bit unfortunate for him. I don't think any of us last year underestimated the importance of uh, Ryan Mara. However, now that he is not playing these games, I think it's it's really dawning more and more just how composed he was and how much of a general of the back line he was the entire time. Uh, Loro and Diaz have been good, but they haven't been able to really grasp the position the same way that um that Mara has so it's it's been a bit sometimes troubling but at the same time you know you almost have to remind yourself you watching much younger players and guys who have not played MLS games when they were babies and uh and and and, and remember that so yeah that that that's my big criticism is that or not necessarily criticism but my note is that Remember, while Laurel may make mistakes, he's new to this on the professional level. Remember that. <laughs> well, again, and I don't think this was a mistake from him. I think he did a great job even getting that. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's the kind of thing where it's just right on the doorstep. No one followed in. The guy who scores the goal. Um, oh, what's his name? Why did I forget his name all of a sudden? Uh, Del Nobody Campo. remembers his name. Ramon Del yep. Campo. Um that's the guy that Bonomo was marking that Abador then followed. Uh, everyone turns around to watch that initial shot and they completely forget to pick him back up or, or to react to the ball. So that that's more of a team failing, I think, than, than uh, something that Loro did. And finally, uh, Junior Flemings almost wins this game for them anyway, even with all that and you know how difficult it, it was dropping the points right at the end of the game. Fleming still nearly wins, if not for a terrific save. Uh, from Irving, from uh, Caleb Irving, is that right? I gotta try to remember. Yeah, I name believe so. Yeah. Okay, uh, Irving, just a wonderful, wonderful diving stop. Uh, he gets one hand to it and just barely pushes it past uh, the far post. But that that shot from Fleming is from distance. He was about you know maybe twenty twenty five yards out. Uh, was gorgeous. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we're at the point now, and this is a guy I have been critical of because we've heard him say how he wants to take the step, the next step, and be on that MLS level or be, you know, a first division player somewhere. Those are the moments he's got to convert if he wants to prove that, and he has been unable to do that all season long. Wait, you're putting that on him? That was a, a ter- like, I couldn't have placed that shot any better if I had wanted to. I, th- I think that that was a better... Well, you're not could- a professional soccer player. That's true. But I think that someone in that position you, to fire... I doubt that you could even put the ball on net. Oh, well, now this is fighting words, Anthony. How dare you? I was playing soccer uh, indoors, co-ed, uh, up until a few years ago. And I am nearly a professional athlete because of that. 
Uh, a lot of, a lot I don't of, think you are nearly a professional. I will say first that I am not a professional athlete at all. And I will say that you are probably on my level, which is you suck. Oh, <laughs> Anthony, these are fighting words. This is going to be... There's going to be some kind of like uh, skill, soccer skill. There's going to be a Facebook video. Soccer skill yep, showdown. We're going to do a Facebook video. That's it's, what's happening. Who's worse? 50. And yeah. I will almost guarantee that I will do horribly, but we will see who does worst assist. Oh, man. I got to write this down. Hold on. I got to make sure that I uh, <laughs> document that this is happening. Soccer skill showdown. Merced. <laughs> we should turn this into a charity event uh, if we can. <laughs> I, I'd be more than happy to do that if, if, if my awfulness in soccer can lead to somebody's betterment then at the very least it is worth something yep yep okay uh so you guys we'll figure out a date that's gonna happen there's no doubt that, that you can't talk trash like that and then just expect i'm like marty mcfly i, I didn't guess. talk trash i just said you're i, I literally said we're both awful <laughs> uh-huh that's it anthony you're going down uh, like I said, I'm like Marty McFly. You called me chicken, and now I'm going to do something stupid. Um, okay, uh, man of the match, who you got? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Florian below for that goal. Um, using the right place at the right time. I'm sure you're gonna pick Andrew Tenari, but I'm gonna go with below. No, well, I mean, how could I not pick Andrew Tenari in that game? A goal and an assist. He's involved in the two most critical moments for the red bulls uh he worked hard the entire match yeah yeah he gets my man of the match uh good work do you want to give uh a uh goat of the game i feel like we should just avoid that let's just let's be positive yeah there's no reason i yeah there's i mean was it scarlet that was supposed to cover DeSantos? i can't i couldn't quite tell on the feed on on the first goal that should have been scarlet back there if I had to, I'll give it to him because I just hold him in such a high regard that I think he should know better than that. But that's pretty much it if I had to. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, Scarlet, I think, has always been better uh, 1v1, not necessarily in the air. And that's where you know he got beat. He's not great at man marking, which is something that I think he'll, he'll work on as he gets older and, and moves through the ranks. okay we're gonna take a break now and when we come back we're gonna be talking to the head coach of fc motown and uh, former homegrown player for the new york red bulls that's sejir hot stick around And we are back. We are joined now by the coach of FC Motown and former New York Red Bulls homegrown player, Sachi Hot. How are you doing, sir? Thank hey you so guys, much for coming. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. A little jet lag, but I'm I'm going to survive. Yeah, fully understandable. Uh, you just took a trip out to a, a Syrian refugee camp. How did that come about? Uh, so Mehdi Baluchi, former New York Red Bull player, was is a good is a really good friend of mine. And uh, now that he retired, he kind of got into the humanitarian field, and he started up a foundation called Kickstart Joy. Um, and he gathered a bunch of donations from MLS, from NYCFC, uh, 
from some group named Catalyst uh, and reached out to Steve Lenhart from San Jose, Bobby Warshaw from SC Dallas and uh, myself to see if we can come on this trip, you know, to help him out. And uh, when I got the call, I was more than happy to help out. And uh, ever since that call, I've been hands-on and, you know, we're just trying to build this foundation so that uh, every year we can make a trip out to another refugee camp or, uh, you know, a place that really needs assistance. assistance. But, uh, yeah, that was basically how it happened. You know, Medi is a good friend. He knew that, you know, this meant a lot to me, especially the Syrians. Um, so I was more than happy to help out. Uh, so, you know, the, you know, you speak about that, being able to help out and, and give back a bit. Um, you know, we, we sit here and obviously talk about soccer, you know, so much of the year. But um, how important is it um, for players, especially um, whether current or past, to have that kind of perspective to be able to use their influence to for some of these causes? Right. So, um, you know, it's a lot easier when, uh, when you have such a big following and, uh, you know, you have a bigger reputation to get corporations or to get, you know, people involved into donating it'll be a lot harder if an average joe reached out to nycfc or uh mls to 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 get them to help out i mean it was a struggle anyway by medi and i trying trying to get you know mls or nycfc to to sponsor the trip or you know to to donate i mean medi um you know, was working on this for about eight months and he had to go over people's heads to get this to happen. But, you know, it makes sense for guys with that power and that position to do as much donating as they can, because, you know, it makes, it makes the world go around. You know, if we abandon people in need, um, you know, it's what kind of world do we live in then? You know, um, when you have power like that, you should be always helping out and seeing if you could. I mean, this refugee camp that we went to is highly publicized, and Mesut Ozil actually went there with that Prince guy that was running for the FIFA president, and the camp is is in good shape, you know, but if you go 30 miles down the road, there's a smaller camp there of Syrian refugees, and that camp is just uh, atrocity, you know. It's It's... It's terrible, but, you know, you get Mesut Ozil out there with the Prince, and now you have countries that are donating buildings, shelters, you know. They had a turf field over there donated by by UEFA, you know, um, from the from the the European Cup. You know, they, they built a, a turf field over there so that the kids are able to play on. And so... You know, when we bring powers together, you can really make things happen for the less less fortunate people. So, you know, that's something I, I really feel strongly on. You know, people in power should always try to help out. That's a wonderful sentiment. I think a lot of people uh, in general uh, don't have a great idea of what uh, is going on in the refugee camp. So to be able to shine a light yeah. on that a little bit. 
uh, is fantastic, and right. I'm sure a lot of people appreciate right. that work. Uh, coming closer yeah. to home, uh, you came back into the spotlight, I think, with a lot of fans in the area uh, after a pretty terrific uh, U.S. Open Cup run uh, with your team, FC Motown. Uh, when did you get involved with them, and uh, how did you end up becoming their coach? Well, I got involved with them two years ago. Um, I was just playing with them, just to stay in shape, kind of, you know, just having fun. And the owners, Dan Karrison and Scott Krasinski, uh, you know, really are really, really genuine and good people. And in the amateur soccer world, it can be very, I wouldn't say cutthroat, but it's just very selfish. But these are genuinely guys that care about our players. You know, they get our players great jobs if, if they don't if they don't have any careers or, or or if they're out of work. They'll play for us and they'll get them, you know, a, a job in the career that they want, you know, just going through their network. And, uh, you know, we, we like to pride ourselves on doing what's right instead of doing what's right for the club. So that's how we keep our guys around and have guys come to training from, you know, two hours away that have been working nine to five. And it motivates guys because we build uh, a culture at our team. You know, it's, it's very, we win in the locker room first. That's basically our motto. We win in the locker room first. We put the, the players lives first and then soccer because these guys aren't on contract and these guys don't have to do don't have to play for us so what we'd like to do is we really get to know the person you know we know their girlfriends we know their your, their wives you know we know their kids and uh we try to build uh, a family first you know something that these guys will remember down the road because for n- now these guys are done either done with soccer and miss that locker room experience or be you know, they're on the verge of a tryout or a trial. And, you know, prime example, Christian Francois, the guy played for us and then signed with Rochester Rhinos, and he still follows us to this day because, you know, we treated him whatever he needed, you know, we got for him whatever, you know, we used to pick him up in, in the heart of Newark to just so that he can come and train with us. The guy didn't have a ride to practice, but, you know, we wanted him to succeed so we used to pick him up in Newark so that he would be able to come to practice to get better to stay in shape stay fit and sharp for his trial in the winter so we are we are big on that and um I'm kind of branching off your your question but (laughs) I started playing yeah I started playing for them um and then I kind of realized you know what I like coaching you know this is what i want to do and i kind of had a epiphany i was just like you know what i'm gonna coach so i started player uh player coaching you know and it didn't work it really didn't work because these are the guys that i grew up with and i've played with them my whole life and then i'm screaming at them to do one thing but i can't do it myself (laughs) (laughs) so So it came a point where I had to create that separation and, uh, you know, it took a while and it was kind of, it was hard in the beginning, 
But uh, after a while, the, the players kind of bought in and they saw the work that we were doing and they saw how genuine we are. And, uh, you know, they, they bought in after that. But, you know, that player managing stuff in the amateur uh, leagues is, is never, is never going to work unless you're fully, fully fit. I mean, I was kind of, you know, weaning off training and running and working out. So I'd be telling our guys to press <laughs> I can't even press, you know, so they would turn around and be like, what the hell, man, you got to do it too. So then, uh, you know, I kind of just took it on full time. And uh, that I think that was the best decision I've made in a long, long time, you know. So that was that. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned about, uh, about the genuineness and kind of um, being able to get to know um players uh throughout the season with um you know you've seen it on the upper level the mls level the or should i say you know the corporate level of it how important do you think it is for these lower division teams to have that community centric mindset um and being able to influence some of these mls teams to be more like that i think that i think that we're kind of trailblazing in that kind of way because a lot of the teams around us are are basically like carousels with with the players and it's just you know you play one season for for uh, you know x team and then you're on the next team the year after and then the next team the year after and those are guys just looking for better pay but it's funny because we don't even pay our players and our players are loyal and that's something that Dan Scott and I agreed upon, you know, Hey guys, we're not going to be like the other clubs. We're going to keep our players loyal and that's how it should be. And I think, I think the Red Bulls are doing a great job of that. I think that they also are winning in the locker room. You know, they might not have the best players in the league, but I think that from what I see from the outside is that they're doing a great job you know, keeping it family orientated and keeping everyone, you know, um, keeping everyone, uh, you know, like a family, you know, uh, they only have what one, one DP is Bradley Wright Phillips, a DP player. He's the only one that you can consider kind of a DP Sasha, I, I believe is too, you know, by his talents, but you know, they have two DP players and then they have core guys that are good guys off the field, you know, that are very good off the field, which translates into the locker room. Because once you have a team that's well gelled or glued together, then you become a solid, you know, uh, unity or unit. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like clockwork then. And uh, you can never win with individuals you have to win as a team and i mean a great example is you know manchester city when i mean they did win the league but look at when they had you know nasri uh balotelli um you know uh who else was it under mancini they had 11 or or 20 all-star individual players but you never win with with that kind of team and i think that red bulls are doing a great job with getting the right humans first 
and then soccer players that will buy into the system and that will fight for the team. So I think Red Bulls are doing a great job, and I think more teams are leaning towards that. And, uh, you know, even with the DPs, I mean, you look at uh, Valeri and you look at uh, the guy from Seattle, uh, Ladero. Those guys really love their teams. You know what I'm saying? They're not bigger than the teams. You know, they really, really love the teams, and I think that's what most MLS teams should go for. You know, and I think it's it's getting better. I think that MLS is is getting better that way. Well, speaking of that a little bit, I mean, with the the time that you were in the team, I think that uh, there was maybe a a bit of a different approach for the Red Bulls. Obviously, yeah. uh, you yeah. you had uh, Henri and Marquez uh, and Angel shortly in, yeah. in that transition. Um, uh-huh. Do you think with that sort of mentality, you know, at the top of the club? Uh, coming in as you know one of the early homegrown players in the league, and not having something like uh, the New York Red Bulls too to maybe help develop yeah. and get you consistent playing time, uh, was that a, a big hindrance as a young player? Um, yeah, uh, I think really it was. I mean, if you look at it without saying too much, if you look at it, I'll just leave it like this: Agadello was starting for the men's national team. And back at New York Red Bulls, he was getting the last 30 minutes. I mean, how does that happen? You know, and it was a tough time for young players. And, um, you know, I don't want to blame, you know, there's blame for everyone, you know, myself included in the club and in the players that they selected and, and, you know, the locker room. But, what I've seen now is a hundred times different than what, you know, Matt Castle or, you know, I had to go through, Agadello had to go through. Um, it would have been, it would have been a lot different if I had, you know, played in this era, you know, in this generation compared to my generation, because, you know, uh, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to bash too much, but <laughs> you know, the, if if you can see it, you know, it, it, it's there. You know, it it was like that, and uh, you know what? I think that everything happens for a reason, and you know, I'm not mad at anyone, or I don't have hard feelings for anyone. You know, I've learned a lot from that, and uh, you know, it's brought me to where I am right now. So, you know, you can never you never look back and say you know, this, 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 this was the reason, you know, it's, it builds your character, it builds who you are. And, uh, you know, through hard times and good times, you know, you learn. And, uh, you know, the, the hard times that I did have with Red Bull, you know, I've only gained. So, you know, it, it sucks, but you know, that's, that's what happened. It was a complete different, generation a complete different mindset a complete different you know um culture at red bull when i was there compared to the culture that they have now but you know i'm happy because it's it's for the better and you know i've i always loved red bull and new york metro stars you know and and seeing them change for the better and especially for the homegrowns only makes me happy. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm pleased and I'm excited about what they're doing right now. Well, that is excellent. Saji, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, 
before we we let you go, we're going to inundate you with the lightning round of absurd questions. Uh, Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I feel like everything's been so heavy up until this point, so it's good to get some lightness in here. Uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. Uh, Throw them in. Yeah, no, it's good. Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Super Mario Brothers or Sonic the Hedgehog? Sonic the Hedgehog. Arsene Wenger in or Arsene Wenger out? Uh, in. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. FIFA or Pro Evolution Soccer? FIFA. FIFA, for sure. And and uh, what team would you play as in FIFA? PSG. I don't Ooh. think we've had anyone say PSG uh, yet, so that, that's a good. The, yeah, they're 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 a hack. They're they're a cheat, man. They're they're very <laughs> good in the game. <laughs> they're like a cheat. I swear to God, that no one knows of. <laughs> <laughs> well, Soji, <laughs> thank you so much for doing the show. It was really fantastic, and uh, we wish. you Yeah, I just wanted to, to touch upon you know. Follow us, our Motown team this year. We're we're in the Lamar Hunt Cup again. This time we don't play uh, play in the qualifying rounds because we made it through uh, NPSL. But you know we have higher goals this year. So if you guys you know keep an eye out for us, we're gonna be ten times better. You know we're gonna ramp things up. We just got a new sponsor, Colavita. You know, and uh, we have a lot of people with eyes on us and you know trying to push for us so keep an eye out for us this next year in the lamar hunt we're, we're gunning for rochester rhinos we want our revenge <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there are plenty of people yeah. listening to this show that would be happy to watch you guys uh defeat the rhinos yeah. uh yeah. Sa- saji thank you again and uh when we come back we're going to be uh speaking to the current goalkeeper for the tampa bay rowdies and that's matt pickens stick around And we're back. We're joined now by the man who's the netminder for the currently fourth place Tampa Bay Rowdies. It's Mr. Matt Pickens. Matt, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. Now, you have a pretty extensive journey uh, leading up to ending up with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, uh, including all levels of, of U.S. soccer. Uh, talk a little bit about what that was like for you and how you ended up with the team. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I started out, um, from college, I went to Chicago fire, played there four years, um, took a little journey to England after that, um, with Queens park Rangers, um, didn't work out so well for me there. Um, so I ended up coming back here and, and, and latching on with Colorado Rapids for five years, um, had some success there. And, um, after that journey was done, uh, I came down here, and this is my fourth year down here with uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. So that's pretty much where I'm at now as far as, you know, teams I've played with and, and the years I've been with them. Um, Matt, you've had a, a bunch of experience as well with uh, different leagues here in the United States. 
Well, what's been the major difference between all the leagues, aside from obviously the money that's flowing into them, um, what's been the main differences? Um, you know, I would say, I would say with the teams in general, you know, I feel like with MLS, um, you know, back when I played, um, from a few years removed now, and, you know, I still, I still watch the league and I can still kind of see it from afar, but you, you do have a lot of parity within that league, obviously, you know, with the salary as well, but you, you kind of get, um, a lot of the same, same styles, um, they, you know, they vary differently sometimes, but not as drastic as some of these leagues that I'm in now, as far as. Um, playing in the NASL and the USL, you have you have many different styles styles of play coming from all over the world and stuff. So, I would say with MLS, you know, it's it's a little bit more predictable. I would say, um, you know, and that you know that may go with the scouting that goes along with it, the preparation week in week out of knowing your opponent. Uh, you know, down here and um, in the USL, you have you, you know you have thirty teams, so um, you're going to have a lot of different teams. You know, di- you know, different styles, different players, young players coming up, some old guys still hanging around like myself. So, um, you know, it's kind of kind of cool too to see the landscape of you know U.S. soccer um, being a part of every little league that we have available to us. Um, and that even goes back to my days even before before becoming a professional and playing in the PDL as well. So I kind of touched every little every little bit of it. So um, you know, it's kind of cool to see from that vantage point as well. Now, Matt, one of the things in USL that is unique uh, to the American soccer landscape is having these MLS two teams compete. What is that sure. like in terms of, of of scouting ahead of of playing these games? Because you know, there's a tremendous amount of roster rotation that happens with those teams. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, here here at the rallies, you know, we're ran very well, um, organized with the staff. Um, top to bottom, we're you know we're very professional. We're very fortunate to be at this level and have that as well. Um, and we do do our preparations week in and week out, do our film and stuff as we would if you know if we were in the MLS. So um, you know we do prep for teams. You know we'll see where they're at. You know if if uh, first team Rebels has a game this weekend, they'll probably you know Rebels too will be missing a couple guys. If they don't have a game this weekend, then you can probably count on having those guys that that have been playing for rebels too off and on will be playing in that game. So, you know, we're not, we're not oblivious to that. We understand that. So obviously, you know, uh, first game against Red Bull two, not quite the same as playing the New York Cosmos as there's a lot of history there uh, between the two sides. Are you expecting a little bit of that New York Tampa Bay uh, rivalry maybe to develop with Red Bull two? Um, I'm not quite sure. I haven't really thought about it. Um, in that part, you know, I think Cosmos are, are an entity of its own, you know, and Rebels as well. You know, they're they're building their own tradition at Rebels, you know, and um, you know, it's one of the one of the big teams in the MLS and it's kinda cool to kinda see the pipeline now, you know, and especially with um, you know, John Wayne that coaching and helping out there. You know, it's kinda cool to see us a player I played against as well and you know, even a guy like Jesse Marsh, a guy I play with too. So it's kinda cool to kinda see that system and, and kinda seeing where things are at in the MLS. But for sure, for us, you know, we're just going to go out and try to get three points on the weekend. You know, I think we're we're winding down the season here, and um, you know, we're you know we're running out of points, we're running out of games, so we need to make sure that you know we we're on top of our game this weekend and and get those three points that we desperately need. Now, speaking to the season, uh, obviously, 
you guys got off to a very hot start. You were challenging for a top spot. Then there was a bit of a cooling period uh, at the start of the summer. Um, obviously, things sure. have, have turned around a little bit now. But what was maybe behind that? Was it just you know the adjustment to uh, the league and/or travel, or just you know figuring some things out, or maybe even teams scouting a little bit better? Um. You know, quite frankly, in my opinion, um, you know, it's really hard to put a finger on things. If you can put a finger on every little problem, you know, then you're then you're flying top of the league, winning everything. But uh, unfortunately, sports aren't like that. But, you know, in my opinion, I think it had to do with a little bit of the schedule. Uh, we had a heavy part of the schedule and that little mid part. Um, just after the first, I don't know, six, seven games or so, we started hitting, you know, a pretty, a pretty tough, tough um, schedule, you know, as far as being able to rest our guys and and, um, and turn around and playing again, and, you know, it was very hard for us. Um, you know, and then we started picking it back up again once the schedule opened up for us. So, um, you know, we're going to have a tough week. Um, and that starts in New York. You know, we have a game on Wednesday after that and then another game on, on the following Saturday. So um, it's going to be a big, uh, you know, it's going to be a big week in our season here. We're, we're trying to pick up as much points as we can, um, but we see this, this trip um, starting in New York as a as a as a kind of a pivotal point in our season as far as what we want to do and set ourselves up for the playoffs. You know, we want to get that get as many um, uh, home games as we can. So we're trying to pick up all these points here on the road that we you know that we need. Like I said, we're running out of games, so we need to make sure that um, kind of pick up everything that we can. You know, not drop points. Uh, so you know, um, now you played at Alang Stadium for quite a while since 2014 um, and you've seen that venue go through a significant change. Can you speak a little bit to the organization as a whole, how you've seen it grown uh, from the starting in 2014 to now where they are in the USL and potentially even making a bid for MLS? Yeah. Um, so the current owner, um, Bill Edwards, he actually came in a couple months before I signed here. He's a, he's the guy that brought me down here. Um, you know, and he had a vision and sold me on it. So I ended up saying, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to try something new and, and, you know, I kind of want to be part of this cool project that's going on because I like to see how things grow and, and um, hopefully make it to MLS. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, and Bill had that in his mind uh, way back when. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see year in, year out to kind of see us take big steps towards that direction. You know, um, I would say the first year here was more of a, um, you know, more of a trial year to see, you know, what, what he needed to do to kind of, plug in his money where and and where at but you know he's done well with the stadium turned that around uh, basically gutted it out put all new locker rooms in and 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 really made this thing a professional environment down here so you know you can ask anybody that's been through here they're going to say well you know it's one of the better clubs in the lower leagues you know but even if we compare ourselves to like an mls club you know we're getting we're getting there we're really close to that you know and i think that's a testament of of Bill's vision and everybody on the staff, you know, the guys that have been around for, for the last five years, you know, it's, it's a testament to them and, and where they want to take this thing. Matt, I, I was wondering, what are your ultimate goals maybe for this season beyond, you know, obviously everybody always wants to win a championship uh, and then maybe your career as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm still having fun, you know, and I still feel like I can keep up. Um, you know, in this league, um, you know, you do have a lot of, you know, what I say kids, you know, they're just younger players. Um, but, you know, I think for me, you know, it's, 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 it's taking a leadership role, kind of, kind of helping to try to develop some, some guys that I know that have very good potential that can kind of make it to the next step, you know, and, 
and I think um, you know I just want to keep keep competing. You know, that's that's what I enjoy doing. Um, it's still you know a fire in my belly. I love to do that. So until that's gone, you know, I'm going to keep playing as much as I can, and and you know, and try to help the next generation coming up. Uh, that, that's it for me. Okay, so we're going to move to the lightning round then. Uh, these are going to be okay. mostly uh, yes or no or one choice or the other questions. I was calling it five questions, and then I realized we were using more than five questions on the regular. Uh, okay, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, popcorn, yes or no? Mm, no. Super Mario Brothers or Sonic the Hedgehog? Mario. Arsene Wenger in or Arsene Wenger out? And Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Uh, FIFA or Pro Evo Soccer? FIFA. Stole my last one. There you go. <laughs> and who's who's your favorite team to play as in FIFA, Matt? Uh, I like to do national teams. So, I, you know, I like the German national team, so. I'll take them. I, I don't like to do club. I like to do. Uh, I like to do the national teams. Not Those a bad pick. Ones. That's that's a pretty good national team for sure. Well, Matt, yeah, yeah. thank you so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to head coach for the New York Red Bulls too, John Wallenek. Stick around. And we are back on episode 50 of Raising Bulls. We are joined now by head coach of the New York Red Bulls 2, John Molinek, the first third time guest on this show. John, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me back a third time. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you back. Um, I think your role maybe has evolved a little bit uh, since the initial season. Uh, particularly with you know the number of players that have come in and out, you had that huge championship run last year. Uh, so, what has that been like, and what what kind of ways has the the role of co- head coach evolved for you? Uh, yeah, interesting question. I I think um, a lot of it has just been uh, me learning, um, you know, how to get better at my job and how to do more and. You know, we ask our players to continually uh, push themselves to do more, and I, I try to do the same. So, um, you know, first year I was focused on getting things started and getting up to speed with the style of play and uh, putting a team together. And the second year, obviously, we um, focus a little bit more on the talent that we're bringing in and, um, you know, fine-tuning some of the some of the tactics. Uh, and now this year it's, you know, about moving on from, you know, having success and, pushed guys on to now that second level and, you know, so, uh, reloading, so to speak. And then also this year I've kind of taken uh, a bigger responsibility to um, take on the role of developing my staff as well, you know, so it's, we feel it's important that uh, I myself continue to develop and get better, and that's, you know, my responsibility to the players and then also uh, to, to the people that I work with day in day out to make sure I'm helping them uh, to continue to improve 
uh, in their jobs and, and move them on in, in their careers as well, as you can see with uh, a couple of our staff members moving on to other jobs. Uh, John, one of the big, at least on the outside, what appears to be the big issue with this team is um, as successful as these players get, you they uh, they're no longer in your grasp. They end up getting dragged up by the by the first team. Um, when, when it comes to rebuilding this team year after year, how difficult is it knowing that at any given point a player you pick um, may get grabbed up to the first team, and how does that affect your you as a coach in the USL? An interesting challenge is how I see it. Uh, you know, obviously we, we welcome and uh, bring on the the challenges brought on by success. So you know, moving on and along is a fantastic thing. Obviously, but obviously that's a that's a hard thing to do is to replace them. So you know, that challenge comes from success and you know what the team's about. So I'm, I'm going to continue to push to try and have those successes in, in in the future, and that will lead to more challenges in the future as well. Um, and, you know, you, you can look at it as difficulty and, and frustrating, but that's if you're trying uh, to focus on results and, and trying to get wins. And, uh, you know, that could be difficult. But if, if you're focused on development and getting players better and moving them on and helping them in their careers, well, then, you know, you're just ready for the, you know, every success leads you to the next player who could be your next success. So it's, um, you know, hopefully there's a momentum to it. And uh, I think you've seen that a little bit this year with uh, Vincent moving up halfway through the season and Derek getting involved and um, more and more players, uh, whatever, moving up to the first team, but also getting more minutes with, with their, in, in the first team. So uh, it's certainly a challenge, but it's something that um, I welcome and we welcome and uh, will continue to push us and, and excite us and push us forward. Now, speaking more to those types of players that are moving up and being called up by the Red Bulls or the the senior team, if you will, um, are there players maybe on the team that uh, aren't necessarily on the first team radar yet, but you think uh, maybe they should be? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I have the the opportunity to get these guys to get to know some of these guys at the USL level a bit more than the first team guys the coaches do. And uh, you know, I get to get, get to get a feel for what they're about. And uh, a lot of times, it's not so much what they're doing on the field, but what they're doing off the field that matters at this point. So, you know, obviously there's Florian Bello, but I think he's we would consider him on the first team radar. Um, maybe a guy like Jordan Scarlett, who missed a good portion of the year due to a shoulder injury, but but is now you know since he's come in, we've we've had a, a bit more stability in the back and a bit more success. So. Uh, he's definitely a guy that uh, we value and uh, we're seeing improvements in. So um, I certainly would would consider him a, a guy to look. You know, maybe not this off season, but maybe in the future, maybe in preseason next year, of you know finding himself earning uh, a bigger role in this club. Um, you know, Douglas Martinez is another guy that's uh, you know had a little bit of a back and forth season where, uh, you know, he's with the Honduras 20s and, you know, wasn't with us for a while and then came back and then had an injury. And so, but it's shown, you know, we did today and he showed that he can, you know, stand up to, to those quality players. So uh, we're hoping that he can start to break through, especially towards uh, 
to the end of the season and and push. And he's on loan, right? It's a, a single year loan. Yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, I don't know the specifics of his contract. I'm sure he's. I, I assume it's a loan with uh, some kind of buy option. So. Okay. Uh, so Stefano Bonomo um, has been with this team since 2015. Uh, what 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 is it that you, in your mind, has finally clicked this year to the point where he's become that goal threat that now we're possibly not thinking of Brandon Allen quite so much as we were uh, when he first left? So Bonomo uh, was our second-round draft choice um, a couple years back, and then um, you know, decided not to sign with us, and they came back in the summer. So that first year, you know, he was trying to just get up to speed and, and learn about the style of play and, and get himself up, uh, you know, ramp himself up physically to, to do all the things that we ask of, a, of an attacker that maybe hadn't, hadn't been asked of him before. Uh, and then, you know, started to suffer an injury, and unfortunately, you know, we kind of let the injury go in the offseason because we thought it would, uh, you know, with time off and rest and, and a strengthening program, we'd be able to handle it, and it worked through most of the season last year. And then, you know, it, it got to a point where, um, you know, he was struggling. And then obviously you can see in, in the playoffs that we, we could only, I could only use him for about 15 minutes before he would start to feel pain. So um, as much as he's been with us over the three years, it's really only been about two years. And then uh, when you, when you account for all the time that he spent uh, injured and then, you know, when he recovered from his, surgery he's still having pain so there's a bit of a stop and start to his recovery um i think that was the biggest thing is just getting him you know after that first year of him getting up to speed he had a fantastic preseason uh early in 2016 and then the injury just kind of caught up to him so i, th- I think he's just kind of picking off picking up where he left off and finally feeling 100 percent healthy and you know he's, he's becoming not becoming but returning to the player that uh, we saw in the draft and that Jesse knows from, uh, uh, I think it was U.S. U20. So uh, we've always had a lot of confidence in Domo, and it's just been a tough go for him over the last couple of years. So uh, it's great to see him healthy and, and get 90-minute games in. And um, you know, This past weekend wasn't his best, but you could see even when he's not on, he's still helping us with challenging for balls and running and pressing and, and holding up balls and uh, running the box and doing all the things that, that we asked him to do. So uh, I'm sure... Uh, through the rest of the season, he's he's going to show, um, you know, and continue to improve and show us that he, he can play at a high level. Uh, John, uh, f- coming up to the end of the season, you've got uh, just two home games remaining, a number of of, of difficult road contests uh, along the way, and obviously you just had a, a difficult draw on the road as well, um, where the team had conceded very late. Uh, what does the team need to overcome in order to start getting some results on the road, particularly during this playoff push? And um, should the, should you fall short, will you be able to still look at the season as a success uh, based on the way that the players have developed? Um, yeah, so I would say this. If we, if we do not make the playoffs, obviously that's a disappointment, um, but it would certainly still be a success just depending on um, like you said, how the players develop, uh, that's still a question that, you know, we're not at the end of the season and it's still time. And, uh, I'm certainly happy with a number of players. Um, but there's still work to be done with, um, all the players and, and certainly some in particular. So, 
uh, it could still certainly be a success. I mean, we we've I was just having a discussion today. We were, we've been in every game, and even on the road, we've really put some good performances out there, and we've just been uh, bitten by the by the the late goal bug. And uh, you know, it's sometimes <laughs> it happens once, and it just kind of enters the psyche of the team, and it, and it's hard to shake. You know, I've been on teams where you know you can't point to the specific reason why. Um, obviously, with us, set pieces are an issue, um, but you know, sometimes it, once it happens, those end of uh, game periods uh, are very mental and it's about, um, you know, not feeling the fatigue and continuing to stay focused and keeping your mind set. And when you have some disappointments in those moments, they can kind of linger with you and, and you, you almost, uh, you know, mentally bring them on to yourself if you can't uh, overcome it with confidence or uh, mental toughness. So, um we we still feel pretty good about how we play on the road. I, I, I would put our performance in Louisville and Rochester, and you know we we won in, in Richmond for the first time. Uh, we should have won in Rochester for the first time. Um, you know, even in Louisville this year, where we've had success, uh, you know, again two set pieces uh, undo us, but during the run of play, we were the better team. So a lot of good performances, and in a lot of ways, performances to me are very important. Uh, when you're looking at development of players, right? If you if you go into the game and you play well and just get undone by a couple things or a decision or a bad bounce, you know you can still say that the players are moving forward. So obviously we have a tough road ahead. Uh, you know, no pun with the road reference because we have a lot of road games. But um, for me, it's it's great. I'm excited because we're going to play some good teams on the road, and we tend to raise our game to play against good teams. And uh, hopefully, we get to really see our players in, in tough situations, and, and then we get to know them better. Uh, one of the the I would say unsubstantiated rumors that has been flying around the internet is the idea that um, the <laughs> USL two teams, uh, the MLS two teams, may eventually be knocked down to the USL D three league. Um, and I just wanted to get kind of a hypothetical from you. How like how important is it that this Red Bull two team see that competition, that that Division two competition, in regards to player development? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't. I've heard some things about that, but I don't know anything. I haven't heard anything through the league or through the club uh, about um, you know the D two and D three decisions. Uh, obviously, for us, we put a lot of resources and money into this team for for a specific reason, and that's to uh, look at and improve our players so that they can play at an MLS level. Um, and we feel that we need a high-level game to to do that job in a, in a good way. So that's important, very important to us. So the competition side is, is huge for us. It's the most important thing. Uh, we want to play in tough environments. We want to play in front of uh, crowds, hostile crowds. We want to play good teams. We want to play teams that um, build up the game um, and are, are you know have quality players so that we can measure our players. So. Uh, it's extremely important to us, and uh, you know, I—it's uh, hard to speak about a hypothetical because, you know, um, it would depend on, you know, what what what, te- what the teams are and how things are done and everything. But uh, we would definitely view uh, the opportunity to play against better teams as a high importance for us. John, you've been absolutely fantastic. Before we let you go. Uh, 
Uh, we've now added a, a lightning round to the show. I w- had been calling it five questions, but I'm pretty sure that we were asking more than five questions. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're very quick, very easy, uh, mostly yes or no, or one choice or the other. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, popcorn, yes or no? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario? Uh, Super Mario. Arsene Wenger in or Arsene Wenger out? In. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. FIFA or Pro Evolution? What was the second one? Pro Evolution. Oh, these are video Um, games. Yeah, sorry, FIFA. Uh, and uh, who's your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Uh, Rebels. Easy answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Ah, thanks. Uh, it was great being here. Last one. And uh, the lightning round wasn't spent. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> when we come back, <laughs> we're going to be previewing the game again. I may have embarrassed myself with not knowing it. Oh, no, you're okay. I, I I don't eat popcorn, so that's why I ask that of everybody. <laughs> that's crazy. It's awful. <laughs> Have you ever been to a movie? Oh God, it's the it's a torturous <laughs> experience, John. I I can't I can't get into too much of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks, John. When we come back, we're going to preview the game against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Stick around. Thanks for having me. All right, bye-bye. Take care. All right, perfect. That was awesome, man. That was really fantastic. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, that went well. Did did he get choppy at all for you? No. Okay. Yeah, it's it's probably just my internet. Okay, cool. Well, man, that was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, he was pretty awesome. (laughs) Like, I don't want to say too much, but that was exactly the kind of answer I was hoping for. And, uh, yeah, that kicked ass. I don't want to say too much, but here's about uh, 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was too good. That was good stuff, yeah. All right. Let's uh, finish this bad boy up. This is going to be a long, long show, man. That sounds like your problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be easy to edit. There's only a couple of those at the beginning. I almost want to go back and fix the Sajiras, but whatever. It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot to fill in the games to pay attention to from around the league. Curses. Let me do this. Yeah, don't worry about that this week. No, I'm doing it. You just want to get off the phone. I'm sorry. Do you have something to get to? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I mean, it it doesn't really matter. This is all about the team this week. Yeah, that's kind of true. All right, fine. You talked me into it. Um, and the player that we're going to highlight is uh, David and Jim. Okay. Okay. In three, two, one. Whoo! We are back. What a round of interviews. <laughs> I think if we would have had any 
one of those this week, it would have been a great show. To have all three was just fantastic. Uh, so, my goodness, what a fantastic show <laughs> for episode 50. Uh, now we're going to preview the game against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, Tampa Bay is currently in fourth place. They are 10, 6, and 8. Uh, more importantly, over the last five games, they are 3, 1, and 1 with a plus 6 goal differential. Uh, they beat Charleston, Pittsburgh, and Harrisburg. Not, you know, the greatest teams, uh, uh, specifically the way that Charleston has played recently. Uh, but still, you know, you got to beat those those teams to uh, get up there in the standings, and they are. They've lost to St. Louis, which was a 4-3 to uh, back-and-forth affair, and they drew Ottawa. In four of their last five games, obviously not the 4-3 to game with St. Louis, they have surrendered just a single goal. So the Ottawa draw was a 1-1 draw. All the other games they won uh, by shutting out their opponents. This is a talented group. They've got older players, for sure, uh, in key spots, uh, but very talented players nonetheless. Georgie Ristoff, he's got eight goals on the season. He's 32-year-old Bulgarian. Uh, he's got 37 goals and 111 appearances for the for the Rowdies. Uh, Martin Patterson, uh, 30-year-old English uh, player. He was with Orlando City, uh, Blackpool, and Port Vale. He's got seven goals for them. Uh, the One of the players who's played for my team, Joe Cole, he's got six goals on the year. Uh, he's Ooh. 35-year-old English international. Who? Is that what you said? I said... I said boo, but I wasn't booing oh, boo. Joe Cole. I was booing Liverpool. Oh, okay. Sure. That's fine. Uh, obviously, yes, he played for Liverpool. Uh, he also played for Chelsea, West Ham, and Aston Villa. He's got 56 uh, appearances with the English national team and 10 goals for them. Uh, that's three very talented players. They are not alone <laughs> in that group. Uh, obviously, Matt Pickens, who we spoke to earlier, he has won MLS Cup. Uh, with Colorado Rapids and was a fixture in a defensively sound side for a long time. Uh, And just all over the field, they've got talent. Obviously, they're coming from NASL. They had uh, sort of a rough patch in midsummer, but they seem to be hitting their stride once again. And this is going to be a really tough game, even with it being at home uh, for the New York Red Bulls. Anthony? Are you there? Did I lose you? I think I lost him. Well, there he is. Hey. No, nope, I'm still here. Did, did I put yeah, you? Yeah, I don't sleep? know why. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, get, I'm getting a weird reconnection issue, but um, I can still hear you. Okay. So this is going to be a tough game for the New York Red Bulls. Oh my goodness. I think we're going to have to hang up and try again. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Ah, oh, there he is. Oh, I'm accidentally calling someone else too. Oops. Oh boy. Please don't call whoever this is. Hang up. Hello. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I think that was Willie. Oh boy. Episode fifty, everybody. Really. <laughs> I did not see him in the group when I called you back. You called Willie. That's the best. <laughs> Sorry, Willie. And he and he picked up. <laughs> Good on him. And he picked that up. That is a testament to how amazing Willie is in general, in terms of being available. Look, calling him. Mm-hmm. It's ten o'clock at night. He still picks up. 
because he is a champion. Because uh, Willie doesn't sleep. <laughs> no sleep till Willie. Uh, let's get back to Tampa Bay. <laughs> this is going to be a very tough game for the New York Red Bulls. Are you really? Are you not there? This is terrible. No, I'm here. Oh, there you go. I said that three times. That's why I'm laughing. So do you, do you want to add some insight into this preview? Yes, I would love to add some insight, but you just keep talking. Anyway, um, the this is going to be an interesting game for Tampa Bay, uh, well, for the Red Bull too, because for some reason it took so long for these two teams to meet. In my head, I have the um, the this this image of a rivalry being created between Tampa Bay and Red Bull too, even though you know there isn't one there. I'm kind of leaning on that old Cosmos. Um, Rowdy's rivalry, but uh, it is interesting that the schedule gods had them not meeting until this late in the season. Uh, but the, the the most important part is though is this is the beginning of that hard stretch for Red Bull too, where they need to get results, and they're playing against teams that are really difficult to get results again. So while Red Bull Two has been in good form, it's going to be really difficult for um, for them to do that against Tampa Bay. Yeah, and like you know, like we said, I, obviously they have not won their last two games, um, but before that they were on a pretty good streak. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They were on a five-game unbeaten streak, uh, including wins over Cincinnati, uh, a draw against Orlando, and then the other ones that we mentioned before. Um, they've they've got a ton of talent. I think this is a team that uh, they can play. It's not like a talented team like um like uh Charleston or Cincinnati which so heavily rely on the counter attack uh or Charlotte uh for that matter uh they can just play right through you and that i think will make for an interesting matchup it may be even uh slightly tilted in the Red Bulls favor because that will help them from not getting broken down so quickly um but uh, they're going to have to be very, very uh, uh, mistake-free on the back line uh, because these guys are clinical and they will punish you for the mistakes that you make. This is going to be a great chance for this team to see a real veteran side, um, the the kind that they don't normally see unless they're playing teams like Rochester. Uh, so T- Tampa Bay is going is, is going to be a good litmus test for just how improved this team has been um, three quarters of the way through the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what John spoke to earlier, um, this is is the kind of match that will help uh, in your development just because of the level of competition. And even if you kind of get, you know, you go into the ring and you get beat up a little bit, you've been in there, you've, you've been <laughs> up against those guys, and uh, you came out uh, stronger for it. Totally agreed. I hate when you agree with me. You agree with me all the time, and I never rag you for it. <laughs> I know. Actually, you do kind of rag me for it sometimes, but it's all right. It's all right. I'll forgive you this time. Um, if there's a player on this squad that maybe you would be most worried about uh, for the New York Red Bulls, who would that be? Um, on, on Tampa Bay? Yeah. It would be Joe Cole. I mean, that that level of veteranship, whether he's starting or whether he's off the bench, he's the kind of guy that 
um, really uh, is a general on the field and whether or not he's got the ball, he's able to dictate the game. And that level of experience just can't be duplicated on any other USL team. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that you didn't say Walter Restrepo because I know how much uh, you love former Cosmos players. Well, Walter Restrepo, um, Walter Restrepo um, the, the big issue with him is that uh, he runs hot and cold. There's actually a lot of former Cosmos on that team. Um, you know, Hunter Gorski as well is on is on that team. Uh, and I believe Sebastian Guenzati as well. I might be wrong about that. Um, but they, they're, you know, a lot of those players are good, but, but they're, you know, they tend to be streaky. So I always like to think of um, the biggest, the, the teams that have um, the most veteran players tend to be um, to give this team the biggest issues and, and for good reason, because, you know, it's a young side. And um, when you're playing veteran players, they tend to wait you out and wait for those mistakes and calm down other players around them to do the same. And not that this is on the sporting side of the game, but you're talking about those former New York Cosmos players. Is that kind of a little bit weird that I mean, <laughs> that is it's weird for the Cosmos. Right. But, you know, you, this is a rivalry that's well established in NASL. Uh, and to have the like cross pollination of players, I mean, I guess it happens uh, with every team. You know, well, you've seen DC well, players yeah. and New York players commingle, and Boston and New there's York. A, and, yeah, there's a fantastic quote by Seinfeld, and I'm not going to do it exactly, but um, oh, he was once talking about um, no, no, I'm not going to do the What's voice. What's the deal with rivals? Well, there are no rivals. Well, um, that was pretty good. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, what he says is uh, that you we're all rooting for laundry. Um, you know, we're rooting for the shirt and not the players in it because the guys move around so much. You know, this isn't the old days of of watching this sport where there were such restrictive rules of guys moving around. So it 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 is rather interesting. You know, especially with the rowdies, see how many cosmos are now there. Um, and to kind of see the fan base be a little bit weird about it, but be like, hey, I like that guy, but now here he is wearing this shirt that I don't like. So um, in truth, you know, we're all just rooting for laundry. (laughs) At the end of the day, we're all red versus blue. That's true. That is true. Uh, Red versus black, whatever. Yeah, whatever it's got to be. Okay, let's get a prediction from you. I'm going to predict a 2-2 draw. I think that would be a pretty good result for the Red Bulls. I'm going to be the optimist. I think they've got two home games remaining. They're going to make the most out of them and get three points. This will be a 2-1 victory uh, for the Red Bulls. I hope you're right. Yes, I too hope I'm right. Did you predict 2-2 last week against Ottawa? I predicted a draw, but I don't know if it was 2-2. I can't remember exactly what the prediction was, but I did predict a draw. All right. Uh, I think it was. I think you did, honestly. So good work there. Hopefully you're wrong this week. Um, Huzzah! Ha, ha. Okay, so we're going to do... Uh, we're going to move in on to our player highlight. Uh, each week we're going to be uh, discussing uh, players from the team in depth to give you just a better idea of who they are and what they bring to the table. Um I, I, I got to remember who gave me this idea. Hold on. He he brought it up on Facebook today, so now I got to make sure I give him a shout out. Do, 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 do. And probably send him a sticker too. Because. Uh, <laughs> Why don't I have a sticker? Uh, you didn't. I haven't seen you at a game. 
That's why. If you came to games, I'll be back you'll get in the 17th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I actually uh, will. I'm actually not going to be around this weekend because uh well, neither oh will I. God. I don't I don't want to get into it too much uh <laughs> but I will potentially be flying uh, into Texas. So we'll find out if that really does happen or not. I'll be flying into New Orleans and I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> both of us were in a weird spot. Flights out not so great. All right, let's see. Do, 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 do. Gary Gibson. I'm almost positive it was Gary Gibson who gave us uh, the idea for this segment. Uh, so thank you, Gary. All right. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about David Najem. He is a right back, left back, a center mid. You know, put him anywhere on the field. Um, from what I've seen from him, a tireless engine. He can run pretty much the entire game and uh, looks just as fresh at minute 90 as he does in uh, minute one. He's got a pretty good uh, ability to, to serve balls in on crosses uh, and overlap. I think he, if he, not with every uh, winger, but he, he he does usually develop a pretty good partnership about when to move forward and when to hang back. Uh, a very good shot for a defender. Obviously, he was a midfielder for most of his career, um, but he still he does a pretty good job in terms of. Uh, placing the ball well uh, we saw his first goal this year uh, which was a beautiful curling effort uh, in the near comeback uh, win or in the near comeback against charlotte uh, not a bad one to be one defender uh, i think he struggles at times uh, maybe with faster players but i think he's, he's very good at uh, anticipating when to stick his foot in to make the tackle and isn't even though he's physical, I don't think he's recklessly physical. I agree. I think um, Najem has been fantastic this year. I, I, my, my one thing, and it's not a criticism of him as much as it is maybe the coaching staff. I think they need to find the right position for him to be in for the entire season. He's mm-hmm. kind of bounced around a little bit, been a wingback, been a midfielder. He's been. Um, I think better in the midfield than he has been as a wingback, mainly because he's seen the ball more often and he's very good with the ball at his feet. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot more of him uh, next year. I got to say, I have liked seeing him and Andrew Tenari play in the middle together. You do sacrifice a little bit uh, in the aerial game <laughs> because they are not, uh, big guys. Um, but they are tenacious in terms of, of attacking and, um, pressuring opponents. So that I, I do agree. I like to see him up there. Um, but it's good to have a player like that, that he can fill in pretty much, uh, anywhere in, in those spots. So left back, right back, left midfield, right midfield, center midfield. Uh, it's it just, it's, it makes it a little bit easier for, I think, John, when he's got to, you know, shuffle his lineup or juggle who he has available to have a guy like David um, that he can plug those holes. Um, we talked about it last week uh, with uh, Stefano. Is David somebody that you think has potential to move up to the first team? Uh, is he talented enough? Yes. Is there too much of a log jam in the midfield at the current moment for him to get there anytime soon? Yes. <laughs> so um, I think that he really, if there are injuries and there's a way for him to move up, I think that's great. But I think this team, has, uh, the, the MLS team, 
has a bit too many guys in the midfield and they know what to do with. And we've seen that with uh, some of the formation changes lately. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe as a depth player on the flanks, but I think at MLS level, he might be a little undersized for that. I agree with that. Um, and, um, you know, being a depth player a lot of times means you're just not seeing boots on grass. So um, I wonder a lot of times if it's better to be on the USL team until you're really needed mm-hmm. um, rather than being on the bench. This isn't like baseball where, um, you know, you'll get an at-bat here or there or a defensive substitution. That just doesn't happen in, right. in soccer. So a lot of times um, when you're called up, if uh, there's no need for you, you're, really, you're just riding the bench and you're not really getting much uh, time on the field. Yep, fully agree with that. Uh, so that, I think, takes care of David and Jim, a good picture of a talented young player. Um, before we get to uh, wrapping up the show, we've got a question this week, sir. Uh, this one's coming from James Knoll of the Atlantic Highlands. Hello, James. Uh, Dear Raising Bulls, first, thank you for the great show. You're welcome, James. Woohoo! Uh, here's my question. And I know that this is very premature given where we are in the season, but what are your thoughts on who might be the Zach Carrolls of this group? Uh, Meaning the players that you're most surprised to see the team cut ties with, presumably because they don't think that they have a future with diversity. Somebody's been listening. Uh, Also, I would love a sticker and will proudly display it to the masses at MSU Soccer Park. Thanks again for the great show, James Knoll. James, thank you. We love coming uh, to you every week and filling your heads with the nonsense that we spout. So uh, thank you very much. And this is something that we've talked about in terms of Zach uh, a number of times this season because of the defensive struggles uh, while waiting for Jordan Scarlett to get healthy. Uh, But he brings up a great point, Anthony, and I think that this would be a perfect question for you. Who do you see in this group uh, that you would most be surprised if the Red Bulls let them go? We maybe even touched on this a little bit earlier. Oh, I, I, there's midfield guys that I would definitely be weird about seeing them go. I think it would be weird if we saw Andrew Tenari go after as good of a start as he's had this, this season. And despite the fact that we, I've been very critical of junior Flemings this year. Um, I think that, uh, seeing him go is something that we might see, but at the same time, I think would be a very big shock. I would be a, a lot more surprised if Junior Flemings was the guy, uh, just because it, Jesse has talked about him recently in terms of uh, these uh, NYRB2 guys. Um, for me, on the back line, Jordan would be uh, very much that guy because of how good he's been. And I think everybody um, within uh, the two side is pretty high on him. And hopefully that'll translate to, to the one side also uh, showing some interest. But that would be a huge loss for the team uh, because of the stability that he brought. Um, maybe another guy like that is Rafa Diaz uh, because he. I think it's clear that the Red Bulls are developing Evan uh, as someone who will be a future uh, option for the number two spot uh, behind Ryan on the first team. But uh, they still need to give... Uh, Rafa a chance while that's happening to make sure that Evans, you know, hitting all the the right milestones. But I think that also puts him at risk for being a guy that that we might see go, uh, particularly because they brought him in uh, at the start of the season 
uh, in preseason rather, and he did not end up uh, picking up a contract with the team and did wind up back on the two teams. So even though he's young and it could just be a sign that they're waiting for him to develop more as well, um, I could kind of maybe see that happening. I guess that doesn't really match the who I'd be most surprised with uh, part of this question, but if there was a player uh, out there that maybe I think might be on his way out, it might be Rafa Diaz. Well, there you go. Rafi Diaz, I should call. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of the show, but this is episode 50, and I have to uh, at least thank a couple of people. Anthony, do you have anyone you want to thank before I get started? You for coming up with this marvelously crazy idea. I <laughs> Inside baseball uh, story. I went to, I think it was at the Toronto FC 2 opener, last year at Red Bull Arena. I came in, I remember having been uh, covering the team a number of times in the past, uh, that the interest in the team um, from the press side of things was obviously greatly diminished from the first team. So I saw an opportunity to maybe help spread the word of Red Bull 2. And uh, it, uh, without really even planning much, uh, talking to Chris Orihuela, I kind of pitched the show and... You know, the rest is history. Uh, They have been uh, fantastic to work with. Uh, I'm speaking of Chris Orihuela, uh, Gordon Stevenson, Willie Whitelaw, who is the best. Willie is fantastic. I I, I can't think of a single bad thing to say about the guy. Uh, he has helped us out so much this year. He's been so responsive. <laughs> I accidentally called him during this uh, podcast. It's late. He still answered the phone. The guy is a beast, uh, and he works super hard for it. And, of course, that helps uh, bring the news to you people. Uh, I cannot uh, let this show uh, go by without thanking Mike Kovacs from Last Word on Sports, uh, who uh, brought me into or brought me back. Uh, well, I, I into real serious journalism, uh, uh, as well as Russ McKenzie, uh, who was instrumental in making that happen and helping me cover the team and spread the word of uh, of Red Bull. And uh, you know, I think as a fan sometimes that when you watch a team, that you can have you know these thoughts, and there's a community for you to turn to and share these thoughts. Uh, but with MLS, it's a much smaller group than it is with say the NFL. Um, or NHL or any of those sports. Um, so sometimes you can feel like you're just shouting uh, into the wind. So having a platform is uh, invaluable in that. Uh, and having a release for all of this Red Bull shouting I'd been doing for so long has been excellent. Uh, I'd also like to thank, of course, Anthony. Uh, the Anthony the Troll Merced and Bill Toomey. Who, me? Yeah, you. Well, I thank you for, for joining the, the show and uh, occasionally being uh, the uh, recipient of ridicule from myself and maybe some others, <laughs> uh, but wearing the, the bad guy uh, crown with great joy, I think. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, all of the guests that we've had on the show, Harambe, uh, all the listeners, of course, as uh. I started. <laughs> Tried to slip a Harambe in there. Uh, and yeah, and viewers like you, right? That's the end of this. Um, but yes, thank you so much. This is so much fun and we hope to continue to do this for many, many more episodes. Uh, 
Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at attitude AJM. And Mr. Bill, who is a bit under the weather, he is at Bill TNJ. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's Raising Bull, one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, as I said, that's all on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. Uh, you can go to our website, RaisingBulls.com, where you can also send us questions. Uh, make your emails out to questions at RaisingBulls.com. And our favorite ones we'll read on air and answer. Uh, you can send us hate mail there as well. And the best ones get stickers, our brand new Raising Bull stickers, which now have a couple of recipients. You know, I, hopefully you'll start seeing them pop up around uh, your hometown. You can listen Put to them us. over in NYCSC or in New York oh, Cosmos. Yes, yes. If you could, once the stickers are starting to kind of you know migrate out there, uh, if you can take a picture of one of our stickers over an NYCFC or a New York Cosmos uh, logo, you'll get extra points and maybe another prize. But do not vandalize. Yeah, yeah. So don't, I don't want to see this in like in illegal places. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I feel like soupy sales now. Uh, that reference is going to be lost on everyone. Um, Good job. Thank you. You can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're out there. Uh, Please find us, rate us, review us. It does mean everything to us, and it really does help. Uh, For uh, Saji Hot, John Wallenek, Matt Pickens, Bill Toomey, Anthony Merced, and myself, Joe Goldstein, thank you, and have a good night. Word Radio, where you, you get the last word.